Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show. Um, I'm here with Brett, as always. And you know, frankly, Brett, we sit here. It's January 21st when we're recording. And I finally feel like after this week that the conference is sort of separating themselves um, into into tiers where like all the the jumbledness of what we've been talking about for the last eight to twelve weeks at at this point is is sort of starting to settle into, I guess what what you can call kind of a, a more normal distribution of teams. Um, and, and I think this week in particular, we'll we'll get into this in a in in a couple of minutes here. But I, I think we really saw sort of the the top of the conference flex, and we're we're sort of starting to see you know within the middle of the conference really teams that are sort of for real tournament contenders and then teams that maybe aren't. Um, and we're also starting to get a little bit of clarity of who's actually in the bottom and, and who's not. Um, so we'll get, we'll get into all that in a second, but Brett, how, how are you doing today? I am excellent. Thank you. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think, you know, I, I think we'll end up seeing kind of a, a larger middle tier than some years. Um, and, I think an overall takeaway is that playing on the road in this conference is extremely, extremely hard. Um, so that's always kind of an interesting variable. But uh, I, I, I do largely agree with your point, and I think it's been, you know, a, a good, good year, a good week for most of the teams that were, um, you know, kind of maintaining that pecking order at the top. Um, so I'm interested to see how we go from here. Speaking of a team that has had a hard time on the road prior to this week, but really made easy work of their road opponents this week in particular. Let's talk about the Purdue Boilermakers, who um, discarded the their in-state rival Indiana Hoosiers fairly easily on Tuesday and then did the same of, of the high-flying, semi-resurgent Iowa Hawkeyes um, offense as well. And so, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we haven't really led with Purdue in a while, um, but I feel like the last three years on this podcast, we're used to them just having two and a weeks and, uh, making fairly like business-like workmen-like, uh, work of their opponents. But, um, Zach Eady sort of strung together a, a couple of 30 point, 10 rebound games. And, and, you know, they are, they, they at least appear that their world road wars are over and they're back to humming along thoughts on Purdue getting back on track, particularly getting on track on the road this week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something you love to see if you are a Purdue fan. Um, and I guess if about kind of the conference reputation, you always want to see the, the top teams playing well. Yeah. I mean, not, not much more than that can be said about Zach Eady. Um, you know, Indiana and, and Iowa were, were pretty interesting matchups. I thought that where would give, uh, you know, Edie a little bit more trouble, but, uh, he had 33 points, uh, on 23 shots, but, and 14 rebounds. But I think that, you know, we're, we just saw, we saw in that Purdue game, we saw Lance Jones hit some threes. We saw Fletcher lawyer, you know, make four for four from, from three. Um, and we're, we're getting, you know, those contrib those other guys contributing, even on a, on a game where like Braden Smith went two for, two for 14 from the field um, and just really had a terrible one. Purdue still beat Indiana by by 20. I mean, you know, they've got the weapons and now these guys are showing up more consistently for the most part. Um, they can survive an off night by one of their guys as long as it's not named Zach Eady. I know, you know, it, it did seem like Indiana was uh, putting 
themselves in foul trouble a lot early. And I mean, they were just committing some of the dumbest fouls I think I've ever seen, um, you know, kind of off ball, um, just really, really dumb ones. And you have to be better than that. Um, if you're, you know, playing Purdue, even, even at home. Um, and I think also, you know, there's, a, there's, there's going to be a conversation about Indiana. I think at some point about how it looks like Mike Woodson is kind of losing control of his team with the myriad of ejections and, and bad fouls and overall poor performance. Um, but that's probably a different conversation. Um, but I think, yeah, Purdue going on the road twice in one week, two wins, um, and, you know, really being able to pull away in some of these games and, and not let them come back into, you know, into question is huge, uh, especially, you know, at where we're at in the season. And and we've brought this up on the show multiple times, but, you know, the emergence, not really emergence, but just the existence of Lance Jones as kind of like a wild card, you know, can can make a big shot when he needs to, but can also go like, you know, four for 17 and get like him as a legitimate, like, dare I say, fourth offensive weapon and, and a, a, a impactful defensive player as well. I mean, they've got four guys that match up with any call it, you know, four man tandem of any team nationally in the country. I mean, when, when Lance Jones is focused and contributing and shooting efficiently, I mean, they're, they're going to beat every other team in the big 10 by 20 and, you know, should glide to the, the sweet 16 elite eight if he's on. And like, arguably even when you look at them against like a Kansas or a Tennessee or a North Carolina or you know, any team like that, I'd, I mean, I'd take my chances given that, you know, he's one of four, he, he adds to being one of four guys that can put up, you know, 20 in a, in a blink of an eye on any night. So moving on to, we had a few teams that, that went two and zero this week. The the second team that we wanted to mention Michigan state Spartans. And you know, it, for a couple of weeks there earlier in the month, it sort of looked like they'd put it together, but we hadn't seen the two to three game stretch of play that really had us convinced that, you know, Michigan state is back to sort of its typical January, February form under Izzo. But, you know, after this week, it, it really looks like it. And, and it looks like it, you know, despite what isn't like a statistically pretty product, but uh, you know, don't necessarily, you know, want to give them too much credit for the win against Minnesota at home, but you know, they went into Maryland and, and, and got a win in college park. And they, they did that by only scoring 17 points in the second half. And was was probably one of the, um, I, I don't want to call it a good game, but it was one of sort of the, the stranger halves of play at least this week. But, um, you know, Tyson Walker hit a big three down the stretch. Um, they got really solid minutes from, from Cooper, despite him scoring zero points, zero points in 27 minutes is that's almost like a trillion. And, you know, but, but that being said, you know, Michigan state had four guys that scored 12 points or more in this game. It was kind of a, a gritty effort where they, where they, they won like just dis, despite being out rebounded um, and they were able to force 18 turnovers off, off the Terrapins and, and get out of there and get the win. And all of a sudden it, it feels like they're, they're trending up. What are your thoughts on the the Spartans, Brett? I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think that, you know, there's, there's a thing, but you know, Maryland is obviously is still a tough place to play, even if the team has been bad this year. Um, and Minnesota has obviously been much more competent. And th- that was a, that was a game until, uh, you know, kind of until they pulled away down the stretch. 
uh, to win by double figures. But I think what I really want to highlight uh, is kind of the emergence of Trey Holloman off the bench as um, another guy that was pre- performing pretty inconsistently uh, early to start the year, um, you know, scoring in single digits almost exclusively until December. Um, but he's he's had three nice games in a row uh, where he's come in and, and hit a couple shots. Um, and that just gives, you know, what at, what at times can be a uh, fluctuating between consistent and inconsistent offense, um, you know, just one more guy they can put out there that they can go get a bucket. I'm still, you know, Minnesota and Maryland do have some solid bigs. And, you know, that's kind of been an issue we've highlighted with, you know, Michigan State, especially on, on offense. Um, and it didn't really hamper them. You pointed out. Uh, the the zero point effort uh, from that was Carson Cooper uh, in 27 minutes. So there's there's a lot of work to do there. But, um, you know, you know that this you know, the time is was going to get his guys ready to go. It took a little bit longer than usual this year. But, uh, yeah, they are really rounding into form. There still could be a little bit more uh, offense, as we saw during that Maryland game. Um, but, you know, gritting out a win like a tough win like that on the road uh, where it comes down to the last possession is is a huge step for this team. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing to, to keep in mind with Maryland, and I think this just speaks to the the swings that we see from teams week to week, but, you know, entering into this week, Maryland had, you know, come off what was arguably their best win of the season going into Champaign and winning on Sunday, you know, and, and they sort of came into this week as the, the team trending up, but after losing a, a close game to Northwestern early in the week and and then dropping this one at home, now all of a sudden they're, um, you know, they're sitting here at three and five in conference and really going to have to make a run probably to recover from some of their earlier season losses to, to make the tournament. Um, the third team that we wanted to talk about here that had a two win week, the aforementioned fighting Illini. So, um, a lot happened with this team this week. So they went on the road on Thursday to Ann Arbor and um, beat the Michigan Wolverines behind um, a strong performance on the offensive glass by multiple guys, including Coleman Hawkins and Quincy Garrier. Um, and then, it, you know, between Thursday and Sunday, they got the news that Terrence Shannon would be rejoining the team. Um, and he, he did not start on Sunday. He came off the bench, but um, led them to what was, for the most part, an uneventful blowout over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Um, and so, you know, again, given the schedule this week, um, you know, you, you need to keep this in context. But um, you sit here and you look at Illinois. I mean, you know, they're they're five and two and good for third place in the conference standings right now. Um, you know, they're ranked in the top 15 and, you know, no one really expected this this year from them with the way their roster is constructed. But like you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about them not having enough de- depth and potentially fading. And now they get Terrence Shannon back. The emergence of Harmon over the last couple of weeks, a really good sign for them. I mean. You know, they look like not just kind of a sleeper to win the conference again, but team that can get to the second weekend of the tournament. Absolutely. And I mean, obviously, there was so much up in the air with with the the Shannon situation, which we covered a couple weeks back, you know, and he he looked like he hadn't played a basketball game in a few weeks kind of to start. And then, you know, they were able to kind of get in transition and running more. And so he was able to, to finish at the rim. Um, Rutgers did kind of make a run a little bit after halftime. Uh, they got it, I think to within five points and then Illinois just put their foot on the gas and blew them out. But yeah, I mean, 
when I still think, you know, they still played seven guys, um, you know, double digit minutes. Ty Rogers seemed to be taking more of a back seat, which is kind of to be expected given how much Shannon handles the ball and the fact that Shannon can actually shoot. So I think, you know, Rogers will probably eventually revert to more of a, a bench role, which is going to be, you know, we'll see how that goes over in the locker room. But um, I, I totally agree with, with Harmon, you know, he was kind of, kind of an afterthought on the transfer market this year. Um, but he has put on a really strong showing recently, um, you know, scoring 18 points uh, in the win over Rutgers and 11 against Michigan this week. So, you know, we, we, we highlighted that they needed to figure out where kind of more of the scoring, the complimentary scoring was going to come from, and they seem to have found it. Um, they're still playing extremely suffocating defense. I mean, holding Rutgers under a point per possession isn't, I guess, really a feat. But they they played they played defensively pretty well against against Michigan um, and just over a point per possession. So they're they're utilizing a smaller lineup and that's letting them that's paying dividends on both ends as they haven't really been overpowered by some of the better bigs and it lets them play you know that full five out style that Brad Underwood likes to um, and Coleman Hawkins is really playing a lot more consistent this year which is which is exciting to see. Yeah, and I think a couple other comments. So just. First off, put some numbers behind the week Illinois had on the boards. They, it looks like they out-rebounded Rutgers 46-32 to 32 on Sunday, and they out-rebounded Michigan 39-29 on Thursday. So, um, like, the, the commitment to the glass, particularly the offensive glass, is really showing through in the numbers. Um, and, you know, the, the more that I watch this team, you know, it – it isn't that it's like Coleman Hawkins and danger that are dominating the glass for them. A lot of it is led by, by Quincy Garrier and just the, the way that he plays the style of play that he plays with the fact that he's like, not just a driver and shooter, but he, he gets on the offensive glass and, you know, is really, really effective from the, the paint as a guard. So, um, you know, I, I mean, they found the formula. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of being consistent. Um, for how much we've ripped on Underwood over the last couple of years, this is by far his best coaching job. It's a team that's better structured to, you know, win in his system, despite the fact that they probably don't have a player that's as good as, you know, IO or Kofi was, you know, and yeah, I mean, you could argue that they still may not have reached their ceiling yet this year, which has to be exciting for Illinois fans. Before we move on one other point, and we don't need to we don't need to harp on this. I just I feel like the need to say it. So this this Rutgers defense I, I think is overrated, um, and could be a little bit shame on us to you know that it's taken this year in the podcast to acknowledge it because I mean you just you look at their performance this week. Yeah, it's not to say they're not like a physical like tough grinded out team, but I mean, like you said, so Illinois put up eighty six on them and. Rutgers did put the clamps down on them for like a good 10 minute stretch in the, you know, in the second half today and Illinois like still put up 86 on them. So I know you're more in on the advanced metrics on this than I am, but I know that that's the first thing to go, especially when shots aren't falling on the other end. But um, I'm growing more skeptical of this Rutgers defense with, with each game I watch them play. Yeah, I, I think, so I think that you need to use the eye test a lot in in addition to what, you know, advanced numbers you can look at, because Ken Palm still has them as the ninth best defense in the country and, you know, in the top 35 in forcing turnovers and, and holding opponents to a low effective field goal percentage. 
So, but they give up a ton of offensive rebounds, which is kind of wild because, um, you know, Omori is, is a, is a really solid rebounder. He's, he's kind of been shouldering a lot of the load this year, but I think that's, I think to your point also, when teams are breaking jump shots and they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the, in the entire country and they take a decent amount of threes. So, you know, the long rebounds lead to transition opportunities. And that's where, especially like an Illinois that with, with Terrence Shannon that likes to get out and run, that's where they will really punish you. So I think there is a little bit of it where it's just, you know, they are still a solid defensive team. I, but I do agree that I think like in, in the past, we would not see them giving up 80 points back to back, even though in back to back games, even though, you know, the Nebraska went to overtime, but I mean, they've given up a lot of 80 point games this year, uh, especially, you know, relative to what they've done in the past. So it's it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on, um, you know, especially as they continue to be searching for answers on the offensive end. Well, appreciate you being on top of the advanced metrics, as always, but agree with you. Definitely um, trust your eyes when you watch this team um, one way or another. All right. We've been on for 18 minutes and we still haven't talked about the team that's in first place in the big 10 that suffered their first loss of the conference season this this year so the wisconsin badgers went into penn state late on a dreary tuesday night and as expected they got zapped by uh by the sleepy bryce jordan center on a day when classes were canceled in in state college and um, you know, it, admittedly, it was a little bit of what we talked about last week. You know, um, Ace Baldwin um, had a really effective game, you know, creating turnovers and uh, just disrupting Wisconsin's flow on the offensive end. Um, and that continues to be a place that gives plenty of teams problems. Now, Wisconsin did turn around and beat Indiana um, on Friday night to sort of get back into form. They still sit atop the, the conference. Um, in your opinion, was the Penn State performance sort of a, a fluke or something that illustrates a larger weakness with this Wisconsin team? So in the past, we've joked a lot about how Iowa specifically is really just trying to outscore teams instead of play a, a solid two, two-way game of basketball. And I'm not saying that Wisconsin's trying to do that, but it, they are certainly, you know, it's, it's happened a lot this year where you know, they, they rank 50th in the country in defense, and it was kind of evident where in that Penn State game when Kanye Clary and Ace Baldwin were just able to get into the get to the rim basically at will um, and and score. I mean, Clary took 17 twos and they weren't there weren't that many mid rangers. He was just getting downhill and getting to the rim and and beating, you know, the, the defensive rotations and, and finishing. And he had a great game. Um, so. But I think also it was interesting because Penn State really showed up out of the gate aggressive, uh, especially on the defensive end with their trapping and forced a lot of turnovers right away. The Badgers ended up with 13, I think like eight or nine of them were in the first half. So and then by the other by the other token, you know, Ace Baldwin's a 26 percent three point shooter and made four of five in a game that Penn State won by four. So, you know, I think that the game plan around him was was fine. Um, I think the defensive rotations and we saw it in their game against Indiana, too, where Malik Renew had 28 points on just kind of unlimited post touches because Kalel Ware wasn't playing. So, you know, the Badgers have the potential. You know, it, it's a bunch of experienced guys that know the defensive system um, and with a with little turnover from last year. So it's, you know, guys that really should know the defensive system. And I think they'll end up getting those those kinks worked out, um, especially kind of with a wake up call of losing to Penn State. 
But, you know, that's the negative side. I think the positive side is the offense is absolutely flying right now. Uh, they are up to fifth in the country uh, per Ken Palm, which would easily be guard, guard's best coaching job uh, offensively. And they lit up Indiana for uh, 1.4 points per possession, um, you know, shooting 69% from two, 47% from three and 86% from the free throw line. You know, this team and you know, again, Steph Curry has just taken up residence in Madison and is wearing number 11 for the Badgers now because Max Klesmet Kent has been shooting out of his mind. He was five for seven from three against Indiana um, and also, you know, caused the ejection of CJ Gunn, which was kind of interesting subplot to the game. But, you know, they're they're they can still be pretty balanced. They had four guys in double figures against Indiana. It's just that, you know, the defensive rotations need some work and they just if they can stop teams from getting easy looks at the rim, they'll be extremely hard to beat. All right. Well, I think when we're at the point in the show where we're comparing Max Klesman to Steph Curry, we know that it is time to move on to the next topic. So I will not take the bait there and we will just move on from there. Before we get to the preview, a couple of quick hitters that we wanted to just run through as far as other things that transpired this week. So first off, we talked about Maryland, how they went 0-2 this week. Uh, Wanted to just spend a quick bit um, talking about their game against Northwestern on Wednesday, but from the Northwestern perspective. uh, So I think really impressive effort from Northwestern to defend home court. Um, despite, you know, Jameer Young being on an absolute heater or at least sort of getting to the end of his heater that he'd been on for the the last few games. But he dropped 36 in Evanston, uh, but uh, really, really needed 38 or 39 to be able to get them out of there with a win. So shows the degree to which he'd been carrying that team through their hot streak. But also, you know, in my opinion, uh, th- this is not a game where like the Northwestern of old emerges victorious but they did just enough defensively to sort of you know defend their home court and you know between Bowie and Barnheiser and Barry they made just enough shot shots and just enough free throws down the stretch to get out of there with a win they look as solid up and down um you know both both sides of the ball and all parts of their roster when it comes to just being a big 10 team that can grind out wins um, at, at home, and they'll 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 probably snatch a, a few on the road that teams aren't expecting. But um, you look up, they're in fourth place in the conference. They're at four four and three. I know, you know, there's little wiggle room for air in the middle of the conference, but um, they continue to look the part of a team that looks like they belong in the upper part of the conference. So I wouldn't necessarily put them in that top tier, but um, they are knocking at the door. The other thing that I want to talk about was Nebraska. So. They had sort of a wacky, wacky week where they went into Rutgers and and kind of actually let one slip away. They were in control of that game for a good chunk of the second half. Rutgers mounted a furious comeback and ended up grinding out a a much needed home win for the Scarlet Knights there. But um, kudos on Nebraska for turning around and and beating Northwestern um, at home, especially when Northwestern mounted a, a furious comeback sort of near the end of the game and was one or two shots away from walking out of there with a win. Um, this sort of proves that this, in my mind, at least proves that this Nebraska team has moderate staying power and they're serious about making the tournament this year. Um, you know, with, with sort of Tominaga as, as, as their sort of leader, but, um, you look up and down their roster and, 
they're they're not just sort of a, a one-headed monster they're a team whether it's cj wilcher or, or even like you know a and sort of an emerging contributor in in like rink mass um you know they, they, they they've got guys that you know can contribute all up and down their roster and um like i mentioned they're sort of coalescing around a team that's actually got a pretty good shot to make the tournament a, a couple of other last quick hitters so we sort of can't been really hard to figure out what Iowa is. Uh, I, I think we know they're sort of a team that belongs to the bottom of the conference, but they seem to be doing everything they can to, to not make it that easy to label them as that, but they won in Minneapolis on Monday. And I think for all intents and purposes, this week concludes the sort of run for the golden Gophers as, as being relevant this year. Their, their record still doesn't look too bad, but they've, they've hit a bit of a dry spell and, Iowa's put, putting together some momentum. It, it wasn't enough to get them a, a win over Purdue this weekend, but um, they picked up a nice win against the Gophers uh, on the road, which they should be happy about earlier in the week. Um, and then, you know, in the spirit of talking about other teams that we can't figure out how to label, I mean, the Buckeyes, I think, also are a, a team that appears confusing. They're, they're sort of trending the wrong direction. I mean, that culminated in a loss in Ann Arbor on Monday which was sort of a prime opportunity for them to um, kind of stop a, a little bit of a mini skid that they were having, but um, definitely disappointing on their part not to go in there and get the win. But they, they do turn around and come home and, and discard Penn State um, on Saturday to finally get back in the win column. And um, similar to Nebraska, I think they've, they've actually got a pretty decent tournament resume, but you know, and they've got kind of a multi-headed attack of, of guys like Bruce, Bruce Thornton and, Jamison Battle and Brody Gale, you know, they've got weapons that can beat you too, but um, they cannot afford, you know, another couple of, of, of slip ups or else they're going to run out of opportunities. I know I talked for a long time there, Brett, but anything to add on what happened in the, the rest of the conference this week? Yeah, just a, just, a, I guess, a couple things. Um, you know, that Nebraska Rutgers game was one of the weirdest games I've ever watched. Neither team shot more than 40% from the field. Uh, and Nebraska or Rutgers missed 14 free throws and won that game in overtime. Um, just a, a thoroughly, thoroughly weird game. Um, and yeah, I think I, I, I agree with your points where we really can't figure out Iowa and Ohio state. Um, and you know, I think, I think the verdict on Iowa is just going to be kind of looking at the defensive capabilities of who they're playing against and kind of using that to figure out if they're going to win or lose a game. Uh, cause they're going to put up points. Um, and you know, I guess it's all about, you know, how, how they can actually acquit themselves on, on the other end of the court too. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, interesting week. I think we, we, I feel like we learned a lot about a few of the teams. Like I think, you know, Northwestern obviously coming through with a huge win and it at home, um, and Nebraska again, continuing to defend, defend home court as well. Um, so just makes things much more interesting as we get to, to February. All right. We will shift gears and talk about the preview now, but before we do that, a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, yes, we would like to thank Brewbags Coffee Company for sponsoring this episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, and just a reminder that you can re- rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Coffee Company and their single-serving flavored cold brew pouches. Uh, so that's whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, uh, you want to save time in your busy morning, or uh, you want to have coffee your way while you're on the road, Brewbags are so easy you can brew them while you're sleeping, and they're so delicious you'll want to wake up. Uh, you can still celebrate Brewbags' launch and enjoy free shipping and 10% off your first order by using code LAUNCH10, L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0. 
to on at brewbags com, at brewbagscoffee.com uh, to get 10% off your order. Thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Three games on Tuesday to kick off the week for the conference. Um, the first has Wisconsin heading to Minnesota um, in in that rivalry matchup there. So Minnesota's lost three in a row. And as we talked about, Wisconsin suffered their first conference loss uh, earlier in the week last week. I do not expect um, Minnesota to write themselves against this Wisconsin team. Um, I think they're too fundamentally sound. Um, and I think they have... Um, the advantage offensively at, at at too many positions on the floor here. Um, you know, you've you've talked about you know maybe the one way that Minnesota might be able to expose Wisconsin is sort of in the same way that Penn State did. Um, you know, a, a game plan that is designed to force turnovers and you know having their guards emphasize getting to the paint seem to give Wisconsin problems, but I do not think that happens on Tuesday. I think Wisconsin gets out of there with a win. Ohio State heads to Nebraska as well on Tuesday. I will expect Nebraska to sort of continue on the momentum that they they, they built from their win against Northwestern over the weekend. Lincoln is turning in a really, really tough play, place for road teams to play, and uh, Ohio State has struggled a lot on the road. Um, I always love a dueling lefties matchup when when Tominaga and Jamison Battle go uh, go after each other. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know that Ohio State has has the guns to um, run and gun with Nebraska and Lincoln. They need to make this game slow and ugly, and they need Bruce Thornton to dominate at the point guard position if Ohio State has any chance of going in there and getting a win. And then. Michigan heads to West Lafayette to take on Purdue. Brett, in a similar vein, I think this is going to be an uneventful uh, business-like win for Purdue, especially without Michigan having Doug McDaniel in this game. Um, I think I think Edie exposes Terrace Reed's foul issues uh, a lot in that matchup down there, and I think uh, the offensive glass again proves to be a problem for Michigan, and you know. I, I, I think this one will be over fairly early. All right. We have two games on Wednesday, the first of which sees uh, Kevin Willard's crew taking their t- ship to Iowa, uh, where the Hawkeyes will be hosting Maryland. Um, this is going to be a weird one. I think, you know, it's Maryland is going to try to just kind of get in the dirt and, and muck it up and make things really hard for Iowa offensively. Um, and, Maryland has definitely had its share of offensive issues and I, just as Iowa's had its defensive. So, you know, I, I think on, on when Iowa's got the ball, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Owen Freeman can can get anything going against Julian Reese and and vice versa. So I, I'm looking forward to that battle. I think Tony Perkins, Jameer Young is going to be kind of an underrated battle. I think Perkins is is definitely a an interesting foil for Young. He's a little bit bigger. He's he's athletic and he's he's a good distributor. Um, so I'm interested to see um, what that looks like. But I, I don't I think this is another one where Iowa defends their home court, but Maryland could definitely muck it up and make things interesting. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a good game, but I think it'll be in, it could be interesting down the stretch. And then we have Northwestern hosting Illinois in a quick, pretty quick turnaround um, for the rivals as uh, they both they, they just played recently. I believe they played like two weeks ago. Um, and. You know, that was a 30 point Illinois win. So obviously, you know, you're going to if Northwestern's going to be motivated to, to play a lot better than than they did when they were in Champaign. And that was without Terrence Shannon, too. 
So, I mean, Illinois is going to try and get out and run and really, really work Northwestern in transition. And I think this is going to be a game where Northwestern's bigs are really an issue and they might just have to go small and play Martinelli at the five uh, around a bunch of guards because Coleman Hawkins is going to be a lot for any either Nicholson or Hunger or Blake Preston. I think, you know, they're, they're really not going to have an answer for him because he's been having so much success outside. Um, Gary is another guy that might be a little too big and skilled for Northwestern. Um, but you know, if Northwestern can really keep the tempo down and, and hit their shots, they, they'll have a chance, but I like Illinois in that one. No games in the conference on Thursday, but one game on Friday when Michigan state heads to Madison for the second consecutive Friday night game in Madison, which is sort of an odd scheduling quirk, but you know, before we talk about X's and O's, I, I'm looking at this game as as a real like identity defining game for both teams. So, you know, Michigan State is sort of on they've won three in a row and they're sort of on the march back to the typical Michigan State like march that these teams make as they, you know, usually get better throughout the year under Tom Izzo. And so, um, it, it, you know, they, they don't do it in a pretty way. Um, and, and they're going to have to win not pretty if they're going to go into Wisconsin and win this game. But, um, you know, we'll know if this team is sort of a, a pretender or a, a contender for not really for the conference title, but just for like being a, a team that we can count on as a consistent and like legitimate tournament team if they can go in there and get this win. Um, however, I think, you know, Wisconsin should have the talent edge, at least on the offensive end. Um in this game, and if they're serious about winning the regular season title, this is a game that they absolutely cannot afford to lose. Um, you know, I'm actually most interested in seeing how the big man matchup plays in this game because you know we know Michigan State's big guys aren't super productive offensively, but I really do think the key to stopping Wisconsin is to not let Crowell and Wall do whatever they want down in the post and. You know, Michigan State, they, they still they kind of go with the hot hand, you know, in, in terms of the hot hand on defense, at least for which big guy gets the minutes. And so, um, you know, we'll see if Crowell's able to do whatever he wants with with them you know, and, and Wall for that matter, too. I don't know whether it's going to be Malik Hall that gets the matchup or whoever does there. But, um, you know, if, if those two are getting to their spots early in the post, I, I don't think Michigan State has much of a chance of winning this game. All right, we have an absolutely massive slate on Saturday, so much so that uh, I'll take the first three games, if that's cool, and then we can we can go from there. Um, so we have Nebraska going to College Park, where Maryland will host them. I mean, we've got a very interesting guard matchup, you know, with, with Tominaga and, and Young there. Um, and this is a game, again, Maryland's going to need to muck this up and keep Nebraska off their spots, especially from three, and, and kind of hope that they have a game um, you know, where there, where those threes aren't falling because, you know, Jameer Young will definitely be able to take advantage of, of Nebraska's defense. Um, but if, you know, if, if they can't get Reese going and Reese is really like not taking that many shots in recent games, he's only taken seven or eight shots despite playing 38, 37, 38 minutes, which is unacceptable. He's, he's very efficient and, you know, needs to be, needs to get the ball more. Um, you know, we're seeing more from Dante Scott recently. So, you know, if he can keep that going, they, Maryland definitely has a shot in this game. But um, I think Nebraska's shot making and and just flexibility and versatility offensively will pose a lot of problems, especially if Maryland can't hit their shots outside of Jameer Young. Second is Indiana going to Champaign. Um, 
And I think this is a game where Kalel Ware did not play against Wisconsin uh, on Friday. He was in a boot on his right leg. I think it was an ankle issue. And this is a game where they would love to have him back. I think he would be an interesting foil for Coleman Hawkins. Um, and But, you know, Mike Woodson is running a very inefficient offense that is not getting a lot of looks from three or, or just rim looks besides basic post-ups. Um, you know, he's had there have been a couple of ejections recently and, and Indiana just kind of looks out of sorts. Um, you know, Renew had a big game against Wisconsin and he, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how Illinois chooses to defend against more of a two big lineup than a lot of other teams play. Um, but I Indiana doesn't have the shot makers to to really keep up with Illinois if they are rolling. And then finally, we have Iowa heading to Michigan. Um, you know, this, it'll be big to have Doug McDaniel back. And obviously the team is, is a lot better when he's on the court. Um, and you know, Iowa is going to have to, this is a game that's going to have a lot of points. It's two, two, not good defenses and whoever makes the most defense, whoever might, it might be whoever makes the last defensive stop wins this game. But, um, you know, the, the, the Hawkeyes look like they're playing a little bit more cohesive now. Um, but it will be hard to win on the road. And then two more games to talk about on Saturday, uh, you know, Brad, I can tell why you didn't want to talk about this Minnesota Penn State game because I don't really want to talk about it either. I expect Minnesota will be going in on a four game losing streak and um, the cure for something like that does not sound like taking a three and a half hour flight to state college in the middle of the winter um, to play, uh, you know, an energized ace Baldwin and um, and and that defense that's going to try to force a lot of turnovers. So. Um, you know, Minnesota needs to get right quickly. This doesn't seem like a great place to do it. Um, I, I like Penn State in this game. Uh, and then the slate finishes out with Ohio State heading to Evanston to take on Northwestern. So uh, we talked about Ohio State kind of trying to, to you know, find a way to get right, which they were able to do against Penn State. But, you know, they immediately go on the road this week for two consecutive road games and not easy places to win. So, this, this will be a fun point guard matchup, right? Like, you know, Boo Booey and Bruce Thornton, two very different point guards, but, um, you know, explosive in kind of their own ways. Um, Northwestern has the muscle to sort of contend with Ohio State's physicality. And, you know, I, I think for Ohio State to win this game, they're going to need one of their, like, secondary or tertiary guys to have a really big game. You know, looking at Roddy Gale uh, or, or, or Jameson Battle or even like a Zed Key off the bench but I expect Northwestern to put the clamps down and to continue to play with the consistency um, that they have, you know, they'll be coming off of an emotional game against Illinois, whichever way it goes for them. So that might be one thing to keep your eye on as far as just, you know, whether there's an emotional letdown or not. Um, This game will be close and low scoring, but it's going to be on Ohio state to make down, make shots down the stretch, which they just do not have a good track record of this year. You want to finish us out on Sunday? Sure. We have Purdue going to the rack. Um, you know, obviously Purdue has had their share of issues uh, in Piscataway over the years, uh, especially recently. Um, you know, Ron Harper Jr.'s buzzer beater comes to mind. But if Purdue is not in total offensive failure, uh, just has way more of way more offensive options. Um, Rutgers has really had trouble seeing the ball go in the basket. And Purdue is good enough defensively to make that to keep that, you know, being an issue for them. Um, I think the, the Omari and Edie matchup is going to be fun to watch as, as you know, Omari definitely has the size and athleticism to kind of stay with him, but you know, Edie's so damn good that it might not even matter. 
Um, so, you know, Purdue, Purdue should win this game, but, um, you know, the Rutgers could make it difficult on them. Uh, I will say that. All right, everybody. Thanks as always for tuning in and we'll be, be back with you next week. Take care.